0: it's twitter tuesday that means that i'm taking your questions here on the locked on vikings podcast you are locked on vikings your daily minnesota vikings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show, it's Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering all of your questions. Most of this is about the GM role, which is fair. So thank you so much for making Locked on Vikings your first listen of the day. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're not watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button anyways, because that would help me out a lot and it would be very cool. Let's get to your questions. If you have questions for me, you can always hit me up at Luke Brun NFL on Twitter, Locked on Vikings on Twitter. You can send an email to lockedonvikingspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. There's a Google form in the show notes if you prefer that as well. You can also leave a YouTube comment. I'll see them. The first one that I am going to get to today is from Skull Toast, who says, give me your top GM. Polls or Quesi paired with your top head coach candidate. And finally, the trade that those two work out to ship off Cousins. <laughs> All right. So my top candidate personally is, is Quesi Adolfa Mensa. But listen to yesterday's show for reasoning behind that. And also for lots of reassurances that I like Ryan Polls a lot, too. Um, so th- the, the fact that those were the two finalists, that wins me over. I'm happy. I like both of those guys. But the differences between the two is interesting. Personally, I fall on the side of Questia Dofa Mensa, but it's really close. It's really by a hair. My top head coach candidate, I've already said as well. I'm a big fan of Raheem Morris. Um, he's obviously learned a lot in the eleven years since the last time he was a head coach. He's much older. Um, I think he's he's blossomed into a much better leader, and he's learned a lot about being a head coach. From like Mike Shanahan, who had been in his same shoes and kind of took him under his wing. A lot more detail again in a previous show. There's also an article that I wrote at Zone Coverage, So go check out my author page there. But the the third part is the trade they work out to ship off Kirk Cousins. Uh, Let's go with Steelers because I like to annoy Christopher Carter, who does Locked on Steelers. So let's do Steelers to piss him off. And then uh, let's say a first and a third for Kirk cousins. And we're going to make him take the contract too. Is that realistic? I don't know, but we're going to make him do it because this is my show. And that would make me feel very happy. So suck it Steelers. You got to give us a first and a third and take on the contract for Kirk cousins sucks to suck. Going to be good. James Q says, how much should the playoffs affect head coach candidacy? For example, bulls had a great defense this season, but was outplay called and coached against the Rams. He's shown more consistency across his two years, but playoffs are a bigger moment. And in this moment, his play calling was a bit concerning. So, uh, Todd Bowles has been a defensive coach for 25 years in the league. If you are letting the most recent game that you saw define your opinion of Todd Bowles, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. That doesn't mean it won't count. It's one of many games, but it's only one of them. Now, that said, with Bowles in particular, this showed a little bit of um, the downside of the way that Bowles plays because Bowles has always been really, really blitz happy. You might recall... The 2014 game against the Jets, Vikings Jets, and Teddy hits Jarius Wright on a screen and and Wright houses it, um, runs by Sheldon Richardson, of all people. And that that 24 you might remember that 2014 game at at TCF Bank Stadium. Bulls called a blitz against the screen, got beaten over time. So he does this something. It'll happen to him. But that on the whole leads to good defense. And even in key moments, if you isolate the worst key moments, it's going to look really bad. But how many times have the Bucks sealed a game with a sack from Vita Vea or Jason Pierre Paul? And how many times, you know, did they get 10 sacks in a game and it didn't even come down to the last thing? So, like, it's just the way that he plays. Um, It was an example of the, the ups and the downs of playing that way. And I like the blitz thing. And the fact that it cost a particular game doesn't make me not like blitzing any anymore, you know? Grail says, which head coach candidate who coached this weekend impressed you the most and which one fell down your list the most? So with the caveats of the last question aside that you shouldn't like define things on this, obviously, uh, Bulls, probably his stocks go down, right? That last call was a pretty bad one. The cover zero with um, Cooper Cup getting that giant uh, pass that that set up the the field goal, the final field goal where the Rams won. That kind of stinks. But I'm not going to go with him. I'm going to go with Nathaniel Hackett, who I've been very lukewarm on because his people-person-glue-guy-theater-kid vibe feels like it would wear very thin on a team that isn't winning 13 games a year. Um, and it, I, I just don't buy it. I don't know. something. He just hasn't won me over. Um, a... D'Amico Ryan's outcoached the hell out of that guy. And by the way, he's my guy who impressed me the most because D'Amico Ryan's taking out that Packers offense at home is really, really impressive and awesome. Now, I'm not as big a fan of D'Amico Ryan's either, but you know what? I'm going to tease that reasons on a future show. Come listen to other days on Locked on Vikings for that. Uh, but with Nathaniel Hackett, it does seem like if he's the glue guy and we have absolutely no confidence that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Is he really the glue guy or did he just get everybody to play nice for a couple months? And also, what exactly does he do in Green Bay? Like, what are his responsibilities schematically? And pre-Green Bay, what has he done? He developed Blake Bortles? That's not a plus. So Nathaniel Hackett down, D'Amico Ryan's up. We'll go with that. Uh, Mike Tice's secret playbook says, for the sake of argument, assume the following two t- conditions are true. The GM shortlist of poles and Adolfa mensa are the only two remaining options. I'm pretty sure that just is true. And uh, the best way to fix the Vikings roster is to build from the O-line and D-line out. I, I kind of agree with that, too. In your opinion, who are the best head coach options to pair with each GM finalist to make sure that a line-focused rebuild successfully happens? So the thing about this is Ryan Poles is the guy for this. Like, he, if you're choosing somebody over Ryan Poles, you're choosing to kind of not go with the trenches. You're probably choosing to go with something more high-flying, schematic, a little bit more of a seven-on-seven style game. Um, and that seems a little bit more like what Cuesia uh, Mensa would do. So you kind of like it's inherent to the question. If you're going for trenches out, it's Ryan Poles. If you want to go for a head coach for that, it's a little more difficult because nobody's an O-line guy in any of these uh, these candidates. They're all quarterbacks coaches or wide receivers coaches or pass defense coaches or, or passing game coordinators. They're all seven on seven guys. That said, I don't know, Mike McDaniel. He hasn't been interviewed by the Vikings or anything like that, but at least he's a run game guy. Um, Eric Bieniemy's a run game guy, I think, in, in Kansas City, um, but he also hasn't been interviewed by the Vikings, who do seem to be looking for a pass game guy. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know if any of them really solve that problem. That's probably not a satisfying answer, but yeah, it'd be Ryan Poles getting that better offensive line and then a passing game coordinator who can make good on it and cash in all the protection that you're setting up for him. Jason G says, besides quarterback, is there any scenario where the Vikings select an offensive player at pick 12 in the draft? Absolutely. Um, Many of them. There's Tyler Lindenbaum. He's a center. There's a bunch of wide receivers, you know, especially if you get somebody who just came from the Chiefs, who famously always have like four quality receivers, um absolutely there's you can't have too many wide receivers so sure there's a lot of non-quarterback offensive players that could go um at at pick 12 in the draft i got a lot more questions that i want to get to um but first let me tell you a quick grambling story so it is first quarter rams bucks rams are up i think by 10 points and i was feeling a tampa bay comeback so i live bet plus four and a half you can imagine the roller coaster I then went on as they go down 27 to 3. I thought I was totally cooked. And then suddenly they come all the way back to tie it. In fact, I was down so bad on my plus four and a half bet that I bet plus 17 Buccaneers uh, at the the worst point in the third quarter when they were down 27 to 3. I said, I think they can at least bring this within due scores. So I bet plus 17 to try to win my money back. And I ended up cashing on both. What a roller coaster. If you want to go on those roller coasters, you can use the new live betting apparatus at BetOnline.ag. You can build your own player props if you'd rather do that. Um, I also had a really fun time cashing over two and a half touchdowns for both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, You could parlay those if you want. You can also bet on like basketball, hockey, tennis, golf, MMA. You can even play your favorite Vegas casino games. So go to BetOnline.ag. Sign up for free. Enter promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, one, all one word, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus. That's 50% of your first deposit matched, slapped right into your account as free play money, courtesy of BetOnline, just for entering the promo code TOUCHDOWN. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you so much again for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Hey, go check out the uh, Peacock and Williams in podcast when you're done with this one. Make it your second listen. They are going to the Super Bowl. And that's really cool. They are going to actually be on the ground and giving you like uh, really cool content from the ground at the Super Bowl with all the big players, celebrities and all that stuff. So uh, go check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast. They're an NFL wide show here at the Locked On Network. Let's keep going with this mailbag. Um, Human participant says which quarterback traits can be coached up and which cannot? I love this question because I think you could probably get different answers from different people depending on how much experience they have, who they've worked with and stuff. So I'll give you my opinion. But honestly, my opinion is not very important on this one. (laughs) But here's what I think. One of the like most native, like innate traits that I'm looking for when I'm looking at, like, say, a draft quarterback, which is probably why you ask this. You're probably looking at rookie quarterbacks accuracy. Does he put the ball where he means to? And that can be kind of hard to suss out because it's like, where did he mean to put it? Did he mean to put it on the back shoulder? Did he miss and he had to make an adjustment or whatever? I usually say are balls frequently going away from defenders where only, you know, the receiver can get it. That cliche are the catching guys in stride when it when that's available to them, that kind of thing. Whether or not it was the correct decision to throw it, did he throw that ball where it was supposed to be? And the thing that's difficult about accuracy is that it's all about consistency. Can you be consistent and reliable? It might not be a mechanical hitch. It's, a, it's something that gets in your head. You know, every third play, you throw an inaccurate ball. That's not a thing you can, like, teach and work out mechanically. You can drill footwork. You know, you can get people to learn their progressions a little more, although that takes a long time. If you're willing to have that patience, you can. Um, but accuracy is something that I think is very, very, like Josh Allen figured out accuracy that stunned me. That is, I, I so rarely see that. And it's part of what makes him so special is because he got drafted in the first round despite being inaccurate and then became accurate. And now, I mean, look at who he is, even though he just lost. I mean, he's like insane, right? Uh, Rorschach Cousins says, does the very likely possibility that the Packers are a bad team next year change how you approach GM slash head coach slash 2022 strategy? Um, and he goes on to say it doesn't for him. I, I agree. I don't, not really. I don't think so. Um, it can affect your draft board a little bit. Like for example, when the Vikings had Randy Moss and Jake Reed and Chris Carter, the Packers drafted a lot of defensive backs. They like poured a lot in defensive back because they were sick of getting torched by all those guys. Um, so you can have something like that, but when it comes to, like, overall, who is the GM, you're looking for such a broad, overarching philosophy that you're not really thinking about needs. Um, There's another question coming up about about O-line. You're not necessarily hiring Ryan Poles because he'll fix your O-line. You're hiring Ryan Poles because he'll build a team responsibly through the draft but still be aggressive where he needs to in a way Rick Spielman wasn't. That's why you're hiring Ryan Poles. That doesn't really have any bearing on, like, If Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay, that's really important because you got to beat Aaron Rodgers. And if he's not in Green Bay, that's really important because you got to strike while the iron is hot, while your division rival is down. So like there isn't really a differentiating factor. What can Green Bay do that makes it actually not very good to go try to build a good team? (laughs) You know what I mean? Skull Actuary says, what is the typical path for someone to become a GM? How many years in the NFL and with what types of backgrounds? Um, So typically... I'm going to go with 15 to 20 years is when you start getting calls normally. So the fact that the Vikings, I mean, their final two candidates, Questi has nine years. Ryan Poles is 13 years. So they're both pretty young relatively. Um, and, and that's full on years of experience in an NFL front office. Um, so a lot of GMs come up through the scouting side, be it college or pro scouting. Sure. Like a lot of guys come in through like the salary cap. I want to say Chris Ballard came through the salary cap side and stuff. Um, but there's a lot more people like, say, George Payton, who came up through the scouting side, was director of scouting, and then got promoted to assistant GM. And then, you know, you, that's the pipeline. Um, but the pipeline is typically, you know, you start out as a low level scout or a low level, like, contract person or, a, or salaries negotiator or something like that, or, you know, salary assistant or something like that. And then eventually you grow to be in charge of that department um as somebody else gets poached everybody gets promoted kind of pushed up the line or fired or whatever you go up to the to be director of scouting of college or pro scouting and then you're director of player personnel and that's more like a management role and then eventually if you're a hot shot at that job somebody's going to make you the GM and just make you manage everything uh Waka Waka asks an interesting one what are your opinions on the overtime rules and how would you fix them so going back to that Bills Chiefs game where the chiefs got the ball won the coin toss go down score bills never touched it right and so that's this great injustice and everybody's really going crazy about it so here's where I fall on this and it's going to be a little bit of an unorthodox way to think about it but I think an elegant solution to that disparity that unfairness is just guarantee both sides of possession um that I'm open to like doing the college way or whatever but I'm also okay with just giving both sides a possession and here's the deal that is does not mathematically make sense. Um, and that, look, hear me out. So if you win the coin toss, I want to say like 57% of teams that win the coin toss win outright. Um, and I think like 20 some percent of the time they win outright on the on that first, like they score a touchdown on the first drive. So 21% of the time, a coin flip basically makes it so that you the other team does not possess the ball. And, and miss me with this like, well, just play defense stuff because the winning team didn't have to. So you had to play defense and your opponent didn't and you lost. That is an unfairness and you know when it comes to somebody like the Chiefs defense which was struggling Daniel Soros and Mike Hughes they were getting killed out there and they didn't have to take the field that I think there's an injustice in that however if both teams are guaranteed a possession going second becomes a huge advantage because you know what you need and actually more teams in college a greater percentage of team like the coin flip has more impact mathematically. I think 60-some percent of teams who go second win in college because of that advantage. But here's where I'll say that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because if a team in college wins the coin toss, goes second, makes a stop, and goes and scores on the two-point conversion afterwards, that is a much more earned win than winning the coin toss, getting the ball, marching down, scoring a touchdown right away, and not having to stop your opponent at all. I'm not necessarily trying to make the coin flip the least impactful thing ever. I want to make the path to victory earned, inarguably earned. And it's kind like you can argue, yeah, the Bills deserve to lose because they gave up a possession in 13 seconds. But what if it was a more normal way to tie the game? And then you might say, well, sure, they deserve to lose because they gave up that whole drive. But wouldn't it feel like more of a justice if the Bills got the ball first did not score. Chiefs get the ball, then they scored. We wouldn't be talking about the format at all. And somebody, I think it was Deontay Lee at PFF, even was like, "You all just want to see more scoring." And well, kind of, yeah. That's how entertaining would that be? Patrick Mahomes goes down, scores to. Travis Kelsey, they're up by a touchdown. And now and now they decide, do you go for one? Do you go for two? How hard do you want to make it on them? And then Josh Allen gets the ball with four minutes remaining in overtime, need a touchdown or go home. Like that's all is awesome. I Of course I want that. Absolutely. And make both teams play defense, make both teams play offense. Instead of having one team be able to elect to play defense, earning it no more than with a coin flip. The Chiefs did not earn a win in regulation any more than the Bills did. So that's why I argue for that understanding that mathematically it does not make sense but i think logically it does and there is a a certain justice to it that that makes it worth it so i I got a few more questions that i want to get to so i'm going to get into that um, but first Let me talk to you about my new favorite app. It is Get Upside. Get Upside is an app that saves you money on gas. And who doesn't want that? It's a free app. Go to the App Store, Google Play, and then you can uh, download the app. It'll tell you what gas stations around you are participating. Go fill up at one of those. Take a picture of your receipt, upload it to the app, and you just start saving money. And when you sign up, use promo code TOUCHDOWN. You save 25 cents a gallon on your first fill up, up to 25 cents a gallon on all your fill ups with the Get Upside app. It is a free app, the money just piles up in your account. You can deposit it however you want. You can do like Amazon gift cards or just direct deposit if you prefer. That is the Get Upside app promo code touchdown. Moving on with this mailbag, we got one from Nick Howard, who says, could you fathom a guess as to why the committee doing the head coach search didn't already request interviews with Dable and Leftwich? So I can hazard a guess, but I don't think it's going to be a satisfying answer to you. Um, so the Wilfs in their original batch of interviews, the seven they first put out, all seven of those people have a reputation as a collaborator and a communicator, which is what the Wils talked about on the day they fired Zimmer and Spielman. So that all tracks, right? They're looking for communicative, you know, leadership types that can work well with others, right? They're looking for nice people. Great. All that's great, but they didn't necessarily look for people with great football resumes. You know, guys like Kevin O'Connell's kind of a puppy. Jonathan Gannon hasn't done much in the league. Even if somebody like Dan Quinn is coming fresh off of a firing and, and the Dallas defense was like kind of hit or miss. So it was very clear they were just looking for collaborators and they're just putting a pool together and the new GM can come in and pick from that pool or not if they want. But they've done all the initial interviews. My guess is that part of the initial interview was asking. Who would you hire as a head coach? Or who do you want to interview? And for Poles and Adolfa Mensa, who are finalists, whoever was on that list that wasn't already getting interviewed got a request. And the only person that happened for was Raheem Morris. So it's twofold. A, they only look for like the super nice guy collaborator people. And as good of candidates as Leftwich and Dable are, that isn't necessarily the character of their reputation. They're more lauded as like scheme guys or like just good offensive minds or whatever, which is great in, in its own right, but it didn't happen to be the pool that the Wills put together. And neither of those guys happened to be on a Dofa Mensa or Ryan Poles' list. So you can take the Vikings on their word here. They are basically saying, yeah, we didn't think that that guy would be the head coach for us. And if they end up being wrong, roast him. But that's the the take that they're going for. Beef Brewski says Poles is being touted as the solution to our offensive line woes, given his success with Casey's line. But is this a really good reason to opt for him as a GM? Seems a bit short sighted. So I talked about this a little bit before. Um, If that were it, No, of course not. That would be super short-sighted to just bring in a GM to fix one position group with no other skills. But you're hiring him for the ability to, you know, build through the draft and to build very patiently, but also to be very targeted with his aggression and all that stuff. I I talked a lot more about it on yesterday's show. If you're more interested, go listen to that. The O-line thing helps, but it certainly shouldn't be the primary reason that they are hiring uh, ryan pulls it is part of the calculus though vikes fan 33 says if the vikings do actually hire todd bulls for head coach is it a good hire or a bad hire and why hard to it i don't i can't say man if we knew who that was then it would be a lot easier to find right i mean the, the the hottest candidate ever goes down in flames all the time so like we don't really know i would like it that's all i can say is that i would support it personally You don't have to agree with me. I just, I like the blitzing thing. I think he got a lot out of his players. He had horrific rosters. I mean, truly just down in the pits rosters when he was head coach of the Jets and they won more games than they ever had any right to. And I think that's Todd Bowles rallying players. Players respond to him. And I think he's put out some really, really impressive things schematically, um, even though he got caught on some blitzes against another really impressive schematic mind in McVay, Uh What he did in the Super Bowl last year really impressed me. What he's done for two years as the defensive coordinator of the Bucs has really impressed me. So I like it. Um, if you don't, that's okay. I still love you. I still believe in you. Uh, Jeff Douglas says, we saw especially this past weekend, what playoff football looks like in 2022. Realistically, how far away are the Vikings from being in that echelon of play with the current makeup of the roster? Again, my my opinion is they're a quarterback away. The, The quarterback that they have now in Kirk Cousins as an executor of ideas is great. But as a person who can take the ball over with 13 seconds, needing a field goal to tie and go to overtime, he ain't going to be that. And I think as more young quarterbacks come out in the mold of you know people who grew up watching Mike Vick and, and people who I mean, in the next couple of years, we're going to be drafting quarterbacks who were watching Lamar Jackson in high school and are going to try to model their games in college after him. Now, the roster still has too many holes to say we are a quarterback away in the way I think like the Titans are. So, I, I mean, there are ways away. There's there's work to do here to answer your question. But and I've said this, on this is not the first time I'm saying this on the podcast. I do not think they can get there with Kirk Cousins. It's just not where I land. I will. I've said it a lot more detail about that in the past and I will in the future as well. So I won't get deep in the weeds into it here. But that's kind of where I fall on that. Uh, Justice McDonald's Alexander says, is it a bad omen that Clint Kubiak hasn't been let go yet? Will that decision be left to the head coach or GM? Um, Yeah, that's typical. So most of the time, you know, you fire the head coach, you fire the GM or you fire like the head coach and the offensive coordinator or whatever. um, And, you know, the the principal decision makers are out and then everybody else is like under contract. So it is kind of an awkward limbo. The new head coach will come in. They'll have the option to keep all these guys if they whoever they want to keep, they can keep. And I think that's right. Give them the option. And then it is also their responsibility to decline that option. They should have a say in the matter. You wouldn't want to fire Andre Patterson and then have a head coach come in and say, wait, no, I really wanted Andre Patterson. Um, So just let them make that decision. And if it's as big of a no brainer as you think it is to fire Clint Kubiak, and I agree with you, uh, then he'll get fired well before anything important happens. So there's nothing to worry about. Uh, Cole Reese says, who is your top free agency want? player or position specific. So I haven't looked into at all who the free agents are. Um, So I I have no idea, but I would love to get some help in the secondary. I think a corner will be really important and I definitely don't want to rely on a rookie there. Uh, Nakaka says what current or former Viking would be the best head coach. Uh, currently Sean Mannion is under contract. He will always be the answer to this. A lot of people say that he will just like, he'll get go on the Kellen Moore fast track where he'll be a, a quarterback's coach and then suddenly an OC and then he'll be a head coach by like 2026. That's it's gotta be Sean Mannion outside of Sean Mannion. I could see somebody like Eric Kendricks doing it or somebody like Har- Harrison Smith doing it. I don't know if Harrison Smith is the kind of guy that wants to be a coach. He seems like he just kind of wants to quietly work out until he dies. Uh, but if he wanted to, I'm sure he would be more than welcome. Luke Owen says, how much would you hate Garrett Wilson at 12? Well, Luke Owen, I don't know who that is. So uh, however much you would hate him, I guess. Cause I haven't looked into like any draft people yet. I'm going to be so bad at these draft questions, y'all, for the next few months. You could get me on anything. You could make up a name. I won't know. Uh, Vikings Disappointment Enthusiast says, has the NFL peaked? My answer to this is a hard yes. And it peaked in 2008, January, when Eli Manning beat the 16-0 uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl. You will never get a game that cool. You will you're not going to get another 17 and 0 or it's at least highly highly improbable is I guess how I should put it to get a 17 and 0 team that goes to the Super Bowl. That's it hasn't happened hadn't happened before. It hasn't happened since only the 14 and 0 the Miami Dolphins uh, went 17 and 0 in the and, and won the Super Bowl and all that stuff. Imagine those Dolphins then having to win three more games, right? So that is just not like feasible so that is like really improbable. Multiply that probability by the probability of a 9 and 7 team or I guess a 9 and 8 team uh making it to the playoffs, uh making it to the Super Bowl with a whole bunch of improbable road playoff wins. I'm at like the Eagles this year making it to the Super Bowl. Like that would have been pretty crazy, right? So that improbable thing has to happen. And then the bad team has to beat the good team and it has to be like legit and, and a good game, you know, it can't be something where the 17 and team loses its quarterback in the in the AFC championship. And then, you know, then the other team steamrolls them because the backup's bad or something. No, it has to be like a good game. It is so improbable what we all witnessed in 2007. Um, it, it's unbelievable. It'll never be repeated. And it's the coolest thing to ever happen. And absolutely, that's where the NFL peaked. But hey, you still get games like Bill's Chiefs. <laughs> like that'll still happen every once in a while. So we got plenty to watch for. Uh, Tomorrow, we might start having have the ball rolling a little bit. So Quesi Adolfa Mensa is interviewing today on Tuesday. Uh, Ryan Poles is interviewing on Wednesday. Ryan Poles also has an interview with the Bears, and it sounds like he is going to have his pick. Ryan Poles will have his pick between Vikings and Bears and will actually be able to select. That is what the, the rumor, the, sh- the whispers are all saying from the beat reporters is the Vikings are leaning Poles. So are the Bears and Ryan Poles will be able to choose. So if he chooses the Bears, we get Quesi and Ryan Poles will get to choose. Either that's wrong or he doesn't choose or maybe something else happens and a lot can happen in a face-to-face interview, right? So still plenty of stuff to be decided here, but we're going to kind of be on GM watch for the next couple of days. And I'm excited to go through it with you. In the meantime, to pass the time, check out the Locked on Bets podcast. They'll help you get your gramble straight over there. I will see you all tomorrow come hell or high water. And as always, skull.